Hello and welcome to Super Saturday, a comic book media podcast where we rank media by its story, impact, and visuals. To figure out if these projects will stand the test of time, I'm Damien A. And I'm Jay Hayward. Each episode will be focusing on your favorite comic books, TV shows, and movies. And this weekend, my dear soups, who gives a fuck what happened in 2016? Because it is time to talk about Howard the Duck, baby. Let's fucking go. On with the show, Damon. We're going straight into this. On with the show. Call him Howard the Duck. Woo! I probably just peaked the microphone real bad, and it's going to sound real bad. I'm sorry, audio listeners. I'll try my best to fix it. Editor Jay will let you know if I was able to fix it. Well, actually, I was. I thought I was going to be editing this episode. Oh, shit. Editor Jay will not be existing this time around. It's going to be Editor Damon, everybody. Editor Damon, will, Editor Damon will let you know how this episode came out. I sure the fuck will. All right. Boys and girls, the she's and they's, the gays, everybody, sit down on this episode of Super Saturdays. We are talking about Howard the Duck. And before we dive into there, though, I want to introduce a new segment to the soups. That segment is going to be, did you read the next issue? Referring back to our previous episodes, I wanted to just ask the question and see if any of us actually sat down and was like, "Mm, we're going to go forward. This story is pretty interesting. So, Jay... Referring back to our previous episode where Spider-Man fought the Juggernaut, did you read the next issue? Uh, No, I did not. Admittedly, I've not continued the story between uh, Spider-Man and Juggernaut because I have been deep into the Howard the Duck comic. I've actually been reading most of the comics before this issue. Um, I haven't finished them up until the one that we're going to be talking to now. Uh... But I've been so Howard the Ducked out, and uh, apart from that, I've also been at work. And when this episode goes up, I'll currently be on a film set for the new Power Rangers short film that my buddy Justin Weber's coming out with called Rail Riders. I don't know if I have his permission to say this, but uh, he's already been advertising it up on his socials, so I know I'm not breaking any news. Um, So... What's been filling my time has been that and uh, Howard the Duck. How about you, Damon? Have, did you continue? You know, I told myself I was going to read it again, but I already have read the next issue. And I got to say, 100% next issue, action pack, And it really adds to the previous issue that we did. But since you were on the topic of Howard Duck, let's talk about 2016's Howard the Duck. Jay, did you know what was happening in the comic book world when this book came out in 2016? Uh, There was only one fact that I found that was really funny. Uh, So I wanted to just jump into that because uh, when I was looking at a whole bunch of things for 2016, it was actually a a kind of depressing time. So um, I got lost in that history. But I can let you know that the hit graphic novel Tetris had come out around this time. What? Called the Tetris. Yeah, Tetris, the games people play. Uh, That is what I believe the Tetris movie is now based off of I, I i haven't seen it yet um but it's about the making of the game tetris as a full graphic novel okay now that's actually pretty interesting i think what right? really gets people to be like what is the fact that like is it about the game but then when you just said it's about the creation okay yeah that, that actually sounds kind of interesting i think it would be more interesting on the opposite side and we learn about the tiles life for a change what do these guys feel about, you know, just falling very slowly to their deaths? Like the Emoji movie? Uh, Sure, like the Emoji movie, but hopefully good. I mean, you can hopefully probably come good. up with something I don't, with Tetris. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Uh, Yeah, like a graphic novel, but someone's already done that. Yeah. Yeah, points. Points. <laughs> uh, what about you, Damon? What is some fun comic news that you found in 2016 uh you know just because this is a wacky episode potentially possibly i just want to say the most memeiest of comic book news that you're probably going to laugh at yes david ayers suicide squad came out in theaters this year 
Oh my god, I forgot all about that. Oh my god. Yeah. That, that movie is atrocious. That movie has changed my life for the worst. You know, it, it, I would, I would you know, I would I wouldn't be lying if I said it, it was an important movie that year though, primarily because of the marketing they ate they really marketed that movie down that movie was everywhere the freaking general audience every knew everything the soundtrack i gotta admit the soundtrack was pretty good um just left and right everybody was hyped for this movie the people who marketed the hell out of this movie good job people who worked on the movie phenomenal job yeah people that worked on the movie would you like to know that that is one and the same really because of the success of the trailers and after the couple of test screenings with the original cut didn't go super well, the editing team for the trailers were left to re-edit the film. Yes, I did hear about that. And I also know that uh, David Ayer, when the movie came out, a lot of people were speculating that Warner Brothers hopped in there and changed the movie around. David Ayer then said, no, no. The version that you guys are going to see is the version I wanted to come out year or two later he actually recanted that and said in all honesty warner brothers told me to say that the version that i was going to make would have been darker and a little bit different and you know what i i would have liked to see it but those script leaks mm, i don't know at that time when david ayer went up on stage in front of a bunch of fans and screamed fuck marvel did warner brothers tell him to do that too was that was that also in the the contract oh shit i forgot about that that was a time you know, that's not what we're here for today. Jay, what was no. your first introduction to Howard the Duck? My introduction to Howard the Duck actually came from seeing the movie cover and Blockbuster and then in Family Video. I just always saw it was either like an egg, like him in the egg uh, poster, or I think there was a time when he had like a newspaper so you couldn't see his face, but he was in like a recliner or something. And mm. then one day i was like scrolling through i was like scrolling through i think it was on demand again uh probably or something of that nature and i just watched the movie on a whim had no clue that it was marvel until it said it on the screen like men in black style mm -hmm. um and i i just thought the movie was something else i i don't even think i finished it in that sitting but i that was my first introduction into this weird and wacky character. And I wouldn't say I'm like a huge fan. I haven't read a lot of his stuff, but ever since then, I, I just love any like Howard the Duck media and material. Cause I think he's such an underrated and funny character. Mm -hmm. What about you, Damon? He is a very interesting character. And he's one of those characters where like, you can literally forget that. Oh yeah. He's technically a part of the Marvel universe. I would say my first introduction to him was honestly very similar to yours. I would say I would, I've would i seen covers of it every now and then around and everything. And I also was like a weird kid. I loved watching documentaries and every, especially stuff I was like really like felt fixated on. And I remember on on demand they had a whole documentary about comic books. I think it was called like Comic Books Unbound or whatever. It was like a new one that came out around like 2007, 2008. And they were just talking about comic book history, but then also just comic book movies as well too throughout the entire thing. And then they were talking about the Howard the Duck movie, and everyone who was talking about it was laughing, and they were calling it a huge bomb. And I was like, oh, okay. Then I saw like pictures of it, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I remember seeing it on On Demand, and I was like, okay, you know, I guess I'll try it. And I watched it. The only thing that has stuck to me, even this, to this day, is the freaking 80s guitar theme he has in that movie that kind of sounds like a print song but it's definitely not print singing <laughs> um and i also remember on his planet there was a duck that had boobs but like people boobs but it was duck boobs it was weird and not just one duck we have to assume that all the women ducks yeah have boobs yeah but like it was like no covering it was it was kind of weird I, I i don't think having some duck boobs on screen was necessary i think that was like what, like the first five minutes into that movie. It really, it was. That's the one thing that I remember very clearly is that whole scene where he gets sucked up and sent to Earth and and the and the duck tits. I I remember that. that. Yeah, and it was just there, and I was like, oh, okay, it, it was not necessary. Then you even saw that he had like some freaking Playboy pornographic magazines that, but they were ducks. I think it was called the Mallard or something like that. <laughs> like How I get it. 
like I get it. It's supposed to be like tongue in cheek, little funny, and everything like that. But hey, all right. Uh, you know, I, I that movie just it was it, it was a fever dream. But honestly, it was, I remember it being just a lot of fun to watch, and funny in some areas. Um, for the preparation of this episode, though, I found out a couple of different things about that movie. That movie was actually supposed to be animated. No kidding, really. Originally, it was. It also was going to be a satire, and Howard was going to be a lot more similar to his comic book counterpart. And uh, just a couple of different things that were were different. They uh, in the original script, apparently, they based a lot of it off of the original comics. But when the movie became live action, it only became live action because George Lucas had something. You know, he had like a script or whatever. No, he had a contract. And in order to fulfill the contract, the movie had to be live action. So he was like, I guess I'll just turn this into a live action movie. <laughs> then, then he added like, a lot more like spectacular shit to it just so he can get have a reason to use more special effects. No kidding. So this was always just supposed to be some glitzing lamb money movie. Yeah, I guess so. But it was a huge bomb. <laughs> that is wild. Could you imagine what it would have been like for this character, like just going onward in media? if they actually put the time into just doing it animated or finding some way to get around that kind of boundary. Yeah. Also, Soups, if you guys hear Cat in the background, that's my cat. I don't know why she's screaming, but, you know. Is, is she's the intern? Yep. Um, we have a new cat intern here at uh, Super Saturdays. Well, tell, tell him her name. Her name's Nary. Nary. Yeah. Full name I can't say because I might get sued by HBO. Actually, did you know that um, since you're talking about like suing and shit like that, did you know that Disney actually sued Marvel? Well, they threatened to take them to court and everything. And I think there was a whole lawsuit because Howard resembled Donald Duck too much. That's why they gave him pants moving forward. No kidding. That is yes. so funny. Only for him to end up in the house of mouse's pocket in the end anyway. Precisely. All right. So let's hop into our basic Summary. All right, Howard the Duck, Volume 6, was a 2015 to 2016 superhero comic book ongoing series about Howard the Duck, a badmouth duck PI who travels the universe, written by Chip Zdarsky and art by Joe Quinones. Quinones? Quinones? Quinones or something. Yes. Sorry if I butchered that. Um, who, both of which have a really star-studded like career. Chip Zdarsky is currently writing Daredevil. He also wrote Super Spider-Man Life Story, uh, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Sex Criminals, and a lot of different shit. Whereas Joe, he actually worked on Batman 1989 and Superman 1978, I believe, too. And he's done a lot of other um, art between both of the comic houses. So... You want to know a couple of more interesting facts about this book? Oh, you know I do. All right. So Chip Zdarsky actually was like a huge fan of the movie growing up. And he had this like his run feature a couple of different references to the movie. Uh, did, did you know that? Like which kind of references? I mean, I know at the end of this comic, we have a, a big nod. Um, yeah, but a what gigantic other ones? nod. <laughs> big old, big old fucking foam head mascot nod yeah like flat out um like a cereal box nod but um <laughs> yeah no <laughs> he had a couple of nods throughout the entire book um he even had some um the biggest one which we learn at the end of the issue is that leia thompson appears and who is leia thompson maybe some may ask leia thompson played beverly in that live action movie from the 80s she's also and done a whole bunch of other things um Yes. Yes, she has. She has a huge star-studded career, and she also is a director and producer in her own right currently, which is why um, this actually, this actually like ongoing series, it actually sparked Leia's interest in Howard the Duck again, because uh, previously she used to like laugh it off and not really that wasn't that invested with it. But this, her having that cameo appearance in this book and everything around that time kind of sparked her interest in Howard the Duck again, so much so that she actually got in contact with the MCU. And she pitched a Howard the Duck movie to the MCU. And the movie would have actually been after the events of Endgame. Howard finds himself teleported to New York. 
and stuff ensues. And apparently, the MCU liked that idea a lot. However, they ultimately decided to just um, pass on it. Why is that? Why is it that every piece of like Howard the Duck media that they're trying to produce now, they kind of just like cut short at the very end? Like they were going to do the show with uh, Kevin Smith as him as Howard uh, that was going to tie off like Modoc. The same thing happened where they just like cut it at the very end. I, that was, I guess, just because they wanted to use Modoc in the MCU. But why they cut off this movie? I don't know. There wasn't really any reasonings behind it. I would say it's primarily that they just don't know if there would be an audience for it. On top of that, the Modoc show ended primarily because Marvel, like when Modoc and the other shows that were on Hulu were like created and pitched. They were created and pitched when Marvel was two separate entities. There's a TV department and there's also the movie department. The TV department was able to do whatever the fuck they wanted to do, which is why you're seeing that like certain shows that were on during the time of the MCU weren't canon or at least got canceled and have never been acknowledged again. Uh, It's kind of like how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they say it's not canon, but they're picking and choosing what was canon from it and what wasn't canon, what, what, what was canon from it. Like, I don't know. It's a whole, like, legal thing. So when the Modoc show was still out, they still had to, like, keep it going to fulfill the contract. All right. Well, let's dive into this. So our story begins. Right before we begin, I want to say I freaking loved the cover. Oh, the cover is beautiful. Like, I love this cover so much. Yeah, it's uh, the issue that we're reading is called The Return of, of Bev. And it's like this giant cliff that's like overlooking some water and it's airbrushed skies and the shape of Beverly's in the clouds. It kind of looked like a title card to a, it a cartoon did. show. It totally know? did. Yeah. Which is why I said that, like, honestly, this whole issue felt like I was watching an animated series, like, or either a movie. It just read so well. And then even the writing was just so very layered and everything. Um, And I just, wow. Like, what were your first thoughts of the issue before we even get into the summary? Sorry about that, Soups. But yeah, what was your first initial thoughts on that? Oh, well, I thought uh, originally when I saw the cover, that, that same kind of that idea of, of uh, it made me think of the Adventure Time title cards and, and the amount of art and, and detail that they put into those cards. It felt very similar to that. Um, and originally, I was a bit nervous for us going into the middle of the, the series because we're in issue eight for this. But uh, the summary at the very beginning, uh, letting us know how we get here, helps very well and even if you don't want to read that the writing within the actual material is really thought out so that way you're able to still get all that expositional material while also getting the development of these characters and understanding that you are hopping into the middle of of a story say if you were to take up just this issue but it doesn't feel as though that it's exclusive like if this was the only issue i could have found on the shelves I can still pick it up and continue on to the next one and not feel like there's a huge disconnect. I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of events that are talked about in this particular issue that uh, make me wonder how we get there. But it seems like every one of these issues have an ability to kind of like keep the audience hooked no matter where they come in. Um, so a bit nervous at first, but when we got, when I got into this, Damon, oh my goodness, I unironically fell in love with it. What about you? Yeah, I like I said, I liked reading it. It was really fun. It made me just wonder a lot of different things. Um, and then on top of that, it showed me a lot about who, what type of character Howard is because I haven't really read much of Howard the Duck. The only thing I read was uh, when he fought the Marvel zombies. That was it. And this really gives you a kind of a indication of like what type of person he is, what type of character he is. And the thing I can't left with what once I finished reading this was that he can be a very flawed character um not in like a bad way but in a kind of human way almost and i honestly enjoyed that about reading this i liked how this felt like it felt like a story well it was a story that didn't have a lot of action but it had enough it didn't feel like it was a slog to read through and it just captured the emotions and vibes that it was trying to set forth and it had a very clear moral within the story so 
after you open the book, get to the cover, you're then greeted with this montage of different events. So it's about four different panels, and they're like horizontal panels on one page. And uh, it's just different images from different times when Beverly and Howard were on their adventures. And even the art kind of reflects it. It, it, it looks like this could have been something that was like ripped from other Howard comics, but it wasn't. It was like a redrawing of different events that happened, I'm assuming throughout Howard's history. So we then get to the next scene. Like I said, the first page was just textless. Next page, we then get the title at the beginning called Beverly. Chip and Joe presents Beverly. And we see Beverly on the porch of this nice ass house, which I'm wondering how did she pay for that? Okay. Nice ass house in the countryside. Oh, all that all that uh that duck espionage through the PI through the through the PI office. More, that Howard runs. Honestly, more than likely. So like I said, this just reads like a movie. And we get there, Beverly greets him, she then invites him inside, and we then learn as to why he's there. So we get in there and we learn that the reason why Howard is there is because of the Nexus. Uh, the Nexus basically has brought him here to a place that seems to be home. Um, Beverly then makes Howard some tea. And this it, it, you can feel the tension between the two. Uh, I'm assuming they probably didn't see each other for some years. The vibes that the story was giving was that, like, they're two ex-lovers who haven't seen each other for years, and they're just talking for the first time. See, you describe it as tension, but I don't really know if I would, I would describe the... F- dialogue between them is tense necessarily um if anything it feels kind of uh, nearly casual in a sense um Mm -hmm. i'm sorry if i cut you off by the way on on my end you you kind of like just froze so it it seemed like you had finished your sentence um i i do want to mention that the art here is very reminiscent to the same type of coloring uh that we saw back in the Woman of Tomorrow book, back for Supergirl. It gave me that same type of vibe, uh, a type of uh, tone that I guess that I also feel in a couple of the different types of like MCU films. I don't know why, but uh, James Gunn stuff is coming to mind right now. Um, but it, it gives me that kind of vibe, and, and it allows me to feel very comfortable and intrigued as to how these characters are going to interact and what brings Howard to this doorstep because of just how wonderful the artwork is for this type of story. No, I agree with you. The coloring really does evoke a lot of emotion, especially I I really think the colorist and the art was just well picked for this story. They carry the story and along with the dialogue. I know sometimes when we look at stuff on the show, we always uh, talk about how like what really makes a good issue is that like, they both work in tandem to create the story. It doesn't feel like the art is carrying carrying the story or the story is carrying shitty art. It all like works together well. And I'm glad that you touched on that. But uh, we're inside there and we learn that Howard is here at Beverly's house because of the Nexus. The Nexus is some pre-dimensional thing that causes Howard to travel places and stuff. So as Howard is sitting down, Beverly starts to make tea. And something that I took note of is that it feels like Howard is trying to flirt with Be- Beverly a little bit or try to make conversation with Beverly. And she kind of ignores it. She just continues making him some tea. Um, I, and honestly, the reason why I said there was like a little bit of tension is that like it just kind of felt... I don't think tension is the right word. I think awkward was kind of the word to use in that regard. It felt awkward because like you can tell... They haven't talked in a while. They don't know how to address the conversation. They obviously have a couple of things they want to talk about, but they just it feels like they're two people who don't entirely know each other anymore almost. You know? Um, those are the vibes I was feeling, especially in this moment. Especially when Howard goes forward and mentions that he has like some new sidekicks. I think and, it's also uh, the the point too when he just mentions the word sidekick. Uh, yeah, it, it it's clear that the two do have a huge disconnect. Uh, but from what is going on in Howard's life, uh, it's it's very easy to see why to him it doesn't feel like there's that huge amount of time, or at least acting like that's not the case. You know, uh, he's talking exactly. about uh, being part of some weird nexus being 
like the two of them coming together like weird dark phoenix style i guess or whatever um (laughs) and he's he's going on and talking about his his time away from bev and it's clear that there's been enough time away um because yeah it does feel very light uh, at least lighter to what this character is used to having with bev and Mm -hmm. uh it does add an interesting dynamic to these characters especially if you don't read this kind of stuff with uh with like this mutant duck dude talking to like (laughs) a grown woman um but right off the bat, we can understand what the chemistry is meant to be between these guys and what it has become now. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, the one thing that I've always been curious about is, like, what is Beverly and Howard's relationship? Like, are they, like, relationship relationship? Like, or like, are, are they fucking? Um, or is it more of, like, a companionship type of situation? Because even this story, it kind of just tells you yes to all answers almost but not entirely and then i'm thinking back to the movie where the movie it felt like it was the same type of vibe where it was like yes there's something there but like we're not gonna go that far but we are but we're not i don't know what was your thoughts on that didn't they fuck in the movie i thought they did i thought it was insinuated in the movie i i don't think it's the same way in the comics I feel like there's definitely like a, a, a really good relationship between these two. Now, mm-hmm. there was a comic a series of issues that had come out before this the year prior that uh, Damon and I were talking about, and we, we've come to the idea that it was probably just like canceled and then brought back or something of that nature or maybe a sequel series or whatever it was. Um, but I feel like a lot of it harps back into that too. And maybe there's some context there that we're also missing. I'm not sure. I'm not. I don't know when Bev and Howard get like disconnected. Um, but at the mm-hmm. very least, I, there is a strong bond, no matter what it is, whether it is once romantic or just platonic. It's it's clear that throughout this whole issue, despite all the kind of shit that goes on past this point, uh, that the two of them really care an awful lot about each other. Um, exactly. Uh, you know, so much so that, like, once Howard mentioned sidekicks, Bev, actually, like, this is where Bev, like, basically, the entire time she was calm, but it, I think that's why I said it was a little tense. The entire time she was calm, but the minute he mentioned sidekick, that's when she kind of got a little irritable. Um, and she then flat out asks Howard, was that all I was to you? And basically, it turns into an argument. And Howard says... It was kind of funny, but he says that like she abandoned him and he was at he basically was going on talking about that she abandoned him. And he even said, like, where where, where the fuck am I? And she's like, Maine. And then he's like, you abandoned me for Maine. (laughs) And it was at this moment that like I was writing in my notes. I wrote that Howard can be kind of a dick uh, because in his like little like thing he was talking about. He kind of was ragging on her choice of being in Maine and then ragging on her choice of just leaving in general, which kind of just came off a little rude and kind of just projecting because he kept like lingering on the fact that she abandoned him in his uh, in his mind. In the middle of him uh, doing all this is where we learn that Vet goes, I mean, not Vet, <laughs> that Bev goes to Vet school at U of M, go blue. Is Maine's color blue? No, U of M is uh, Michigan. University of Maine. No, is it? Is it? Do they call that? She's living in Maine. Hey, I don't know. Would they have called it that? Is the University of Maine called U of M? Because I thought U of M was like distinctly Michigan. Because even people who don't live in Michigan call it U of M. Yeah. No. University of Maine. U of M. Same thing with Maryland. Well, shit. We All right, Damon's uh, dumb, everybody. Nah, nah. It's it's just the same kind of inspiration as like the Spartan, you know, or uh, the fucking the Yellow Jacket that yeah, you see true. all the time at like high schools. You know what I mean? Uh, no, U of M is just like super generic. Uh, at my head too, I was like, woo, Wolverines. Uh, even <laughs> though I'm a I'm a I'm a state fan personally. Oh, okay, you're lame. Um, what do you mean I'm lame? You're lame, pal. 
That school is fantastic. Am I? Yeah, dude. Right, right, right. So we learned that Bev... Found a way to bring it back for you, champ. Exactly. So we found out that Bev is a vet. She's in vet school. Well, she's trying to be a vet. And she goes to U of M. All right. So at this moment, Howard then asks, since when did you want to be a vet? Ooh. It's the way that, like, it was at this moment where I finally was understanding, like, this is the part where the story was like, okay, I'm buckled in. I'm, like, here for this story. And I just love me slice, slice of life, just stories, whether it be TV shows, movies, or even comics. And it's interesting. That's when I, that, That's one of the reasons why I was saying that Howard is a very flawed kind of character and very human for a duck that walks around and talks. So he asks Bev, since when did you want to be a vet? And the flashbacks that we got at the beginning of the issue comes back. And instead of them being no words, they're filled with the words that were happening in those scenes. And in those moments, Bev literally is saying, oh, I should have went to vet school. Oh, I want to be a vet. She even has a dialogue with one of the villains who said, oh, why are you still following around the duck? I thought you, you surely should have been a vet by now. You, I, know, I remember you said you wanted to be a vet. All this I, stuff. I guess he was also her ex-boyfriend, too. I, I guess so. Because at one point, uh, or, or I don't know, I don't know who this villain is. He has like some like gold guy with like a weird like sphere hand. But, it, but <laughs> he's like, I thought you were talking a whole bunch about veterinarian school. And oh my goodness i fucking i love this kind of stuff because it reads just like a show it does like i could picture them going back to these flashbacks again and and having that comedic tone that's leaping off the pages just wonderfully well done exactly so at this point beverly is like storming out the damn house and howard is following after her and he's telling her that she should have spoken up and he's like, you know, things were always crazy. And I, oh, sure, walk away. Just like last time when you abandoned me. At that moment, I was like, Howard, you sound like a damn man child. Because how was it that he went Howard's from such a bitch? Literally can't even take accountability for it. And Beverly's just walking. And she flat out tells him that you've never listened. And, you know, I was, kind of, I was feeling sad for the both of them. It just felt so real. Um, primarily for Beverly. But it just felt so real and this is where we learn a little bit as to why um beverly left she's talking about how trouble has always followed howard and at first he like kind of questions it yeah basically howard like drops his defenses and he's like says that you know it is fair and then he brings up how he she shouldn't she just shouldn't have left and it was at this moment where i was like okay i can understand it Basically, I'm assuming she just left without really giving him a reason for it. And instead of just being an adult and asking, he just was scared, I guess. So he basically is telling her that, like, she just shouldn't have left. I got to say that the, I got to say that the melodrama during the dialogue between them two of them at this point, because uh, they're leaving the house and they're going back out into this beautiful sunset and her house is on like this cliff by the water. You know, it's this beautiful scenic place in Maine, home of like Stephen King, Stephen King <laughs> and all Stephen King's evil monsters. Um, but just the melodrama of it, because Bev's in this beautiful sundress and Howard is in like these little shorts and this nice like button up that's like designed for him. Two of them are just walking outside and it's just it, to me, it's comedic. Just seeing this three foot duck, like this five, 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 six, maybe, you know, tall woman, just barefoot out in the field <laughs> talking to this duck. Um, but it works so well. The dialogue works so well between the two of them. The history that that is being made here or, or the, the history that they're showing here and why Bev and, and Howard haven't been able to really see eye to eye and the way that Bev cares for Howard because she's just so tired of seeing him stuck in these kind of predicaments and how life is just never normal or just fine between the two of them. I love the line that, that Howard has here uh, where he says, I know my life isn't a conventional one, 
but it's not his fault. Mm-hmm. He he blames himself on being like a, a like a magnet to this trouble, which he kind of is when you really think of it. With him being suddenly transported to Earth, and no one likes him, and he, all he's trying to do is get home, and he's stuck doing all these wild misadventures. You know, you you end up understanding to a sense where Howard's coming from, mm-hmm. even though he's coming off in a very um in in a very not i guess yeah in a selfish way about it when you kind of look at the fact that uh nothing that's really gone has gone his way since he's come to earth and all he really wants to do is just go back home to uh to duck world whatever whatever the name of the planet is duck i think world. it's just called duck world Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> no you know I actually am glad you carry the conversation in that area. Uh, I was wondering, what was your opinion on Bev's reasoning for leaving? Like, do you agree with it? Uh, do you think it was valid? Oh, what was totally. your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think so for sure. Because Bev is just a normal woman just trying to live her life and try to be this veterinarian and, you know, just live a conventional life. And Howard, especially due to the fact that he's a duck, but also all these other things where he's in the crosshairs of all these different types of uh, extraterrestrial enemies, all these different types of all these different forms of discrimination, rather, that he Mm -hmm. goes through being uh, a mutant duck alien guy. Um, It's it's clear that there's a lot of weight that that Howard has to feel all the time and he just wants to figure out uh, what's home and what's normal for him and it makes sense for him to go and have this conversation with Bev too when you think about it because this is the closest that he's had to a home has been with Beverly and I think that's what causes him to have his reaction as well him being without her is the same with him being without Duckworld And to Bev, it's clear that she cares a lot about him, too. But it's also something that she shouldn't have to put up with either as a responsibility. Not the fact that she doesn't care about him or anything. It's clear, again, that they have a really tight bond. Uh, But she's never going to have a normal everyday life with this, like, misadventurous, uh, sometimes medieval duck dude, you know? Mm. Yeah. and a lot of times Beverly has to save the day too, like because he always gets it, like he's the one who's getting in trouble and getting like snatched up and everything. And I'm pretty sure one of the flashbacks even goes back and shows a moment where like she thought he died, but he didn't die. And 100, percent I can understand where she's coming from on that because that's a lot of anxiety to be get get put through, thinking your significant other or somebody you have a strong connection with is about to die all the time. Or say for example, you just want to take a minute and just live your own life instead you're just getting scooped up into situations that you didn't really have a choice in the matter of so i 100 percent get her i'm with you on that jay it's it's a it, it causes for a really good discussion you know exactly but anyway it doesn't fucking matter because some giant uh what in the world are these guys even called the sentinel also known as giant the iron sentinel the iron punisher okay the iron punisher Okay, so he yeah. pops up out of the water and he shakes some shit up and then Bev is like, wait, wait, hold up, wait a second. Why are you attacking us? Who are you? What are you doing here? Some really important questions to ask, Bev, really. So the Sentinel then goes into his little origin story, so cue the chimes. <laughs> the Sentinel has a backstory, dude. He has this a backstory. This comic has a, has a Sentinel backstory. You can't it, it has tell it all. me. It has it all. Everyone, Dude, everyone can love this. It has... X-Men shit. Avengers right? are in it too. Uh has some Avengers stuff. You got like Aunt May and Spider-Man. They're frequent in this like comic altogether. And I think Aunt May shows up in this issue, like later on, if I remember correctly. And you get a celebrity like, cameo. Dude, yeah, you get Leah Thompson. This comic has everything. You cannot tell me that he wouldn't work for like a movie or a show, man. Like Especially if they have these writers on it. I would I don't know, pay man. for a good animated series. I would like based off of the art style and everything. I, that would be great. It'd be dope. 
Yeah. It would be dope. I could see it working and everything. Okay. Let's go into the Iron Punisher's backstory. So the Iron Punisher, him and his, like, brothers and sisters were in a park, and they were looking for mutants to kill and destroy. And he was talking about this the way he talks about it. He basically says that, like, you know, we were just doing, you know, just regular things. Like, it's not like it's not wrong for us to be looking to murder mutants or anything. And just our day to day in Maine, in the forests of Maine. Exactly. So he then says that the X Men and some metahumans also, it's the Avengers. It's the X Men and the Avengers. They come and they like fuck shit up and they destroy all the Sentinels and everything. And yeah, we see. Uh, was it Wolverine shows up? Uh, who else shows up? Scarlet Witch shows up. A uh, couple other, couple other people just show up and start kicking the shit out of these Sentinels. They just get jumped. I think Rogue was there too. And uh, they get they get their shit rocked. And so the, basically, the Iron Punisher says that he watched all of them die. And he said there when the Scarlet Witch was going to kill him. Something happened, and he gained emotion and sentience. He gained life, Damon. Amongst their deaths, he found life. He did. He it's found a life. Full story, and now he's here to fucking kill Donald the Duck. Donald the Duck. Yes. You mean Howard? Yes. What's wait a second. Wait a second. We we can literally have a Howard Duck and Donald Duck crossover. Dude, that'd, yes. be, that'd be great. Yes, like think of the cartoon. It could be in the same vein as when uh, Daffy and Donald meet up in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and they're playing on the pianos. I still, I still hold near and dear to my heart. You know how like Disney has been doing like shorts in front of their movies. I think for Marvel movies, what they should do is they should take a single issue or either just do something and have a short but dedicated to Marvel characters for each Marvel movie. That'd be dope. That'd be cool. That'd be dope. But I, I'd still want a full feature though for Howard. John Mulaney would make a perfect Howard the Duck, but we already have him as Spider Ham. Yeah. Yeah. But on top of that, Howard has like kind of like a New York accent almost. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but I, to me, I, I hear like a nasally from him too, like exactly the way how John Mulaney talks. I could, t- just I could give see him it. a little bit of a New York, New York cadence. Yeah. To I me, that's that's how Howard sounds. I don't know. So anyway, Iron Punisher's here talking about how all of his friends are <laughs> butchered. Yeah, so he's gonna go kill, gonna go kill these random people. Well, no, his 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 he said that his like life's goal now after witnessing the death is that he's going to kill every super powered individual, which is why he's called the Iron Punisher. So he's a Punisher Sentinel of sorts. Okay, so he's going on talking and everything, and there is a wait. Hold on. Hold on. I forgot. I hopped a little too far. All right. After he's done saying this, Beverly starts throwing rocks at him. And the Sentinel then is getting ready to blast Beverly and Howard before. Well, not before the I'm stumbling over my words, guys. Sorry. A sword basically comes through his chest and he's dead. And the sword was put through his chest. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. He's so young. Those bastards. Damn you. Now he's joined his friends. Well, you know, it was an honorable death. He died in battle, so that's good. I have, since Iron Punisher had emotions, that means he had some form, the Sentinel had some form of sentience. (laughs) I guess Uh, so. Does that mean that there is a Sentinel heaven and hell? That's... <laughs> I've left the man speechless. I don't know. That would actually be a fair point. That'd be a fair point. Yep. That'd be a fair question, actually. You know, um but do they believe in it? Stop, I'm too high for this. <laughs> I'm just saying it's so depressing. Where does he go? Is he just like a carcass now in the in the forests of Maine, left to be unexplained, like the giant in Eternals? But how is it a carcass when he's like all metal? Carcasses. But he are was flesh. alive. Damn it, he was alive. What difference does it make? 
Yeah, See, it's it's thought processes like that that want makes Howard want to go back to Duck World. Oh my gosh. Also, note that he said he's trying to kill all super people. And Howard says, Why are you trying to kill us? We're not super. Wink wink yeah, nudge. Howard's nudge. just a duck. Yeah, Howard's just a could, duck. Could get him confused. You know, could see him and think mutant, you know. Possibly. Maybe. Possibly. You Who know, knows? who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say? Maybe, maybe because, you know, Beverly's a regular person, too. So, you know. Um, just just some veterinarian. Yep. Yep. All right. So it's Scout. And I was like, yay, Scout. Who the hell are you? Okay, good. I was just about to ask. Yeah, I have no clue who Scout is. It looks just like the Silver Surfer, though. I mean, so I'm guessing it's supposed to i guess i don't know is that not like you have no clue if they're like from the same planet or whatever or is it like whoever I mean, did, did you, as... you read the issue right because they even touched on it a little bit in the next next couple pages right but i mean like besides that like what is her origin like does she have her own comic uh she's a newer character like i think she ah, came out around i think she came out around the time that this book came out born and bred for howard baby that's the way we like it exactly all right, so Scout, she's on a surfboard, she's golden, and she may or may not be a herald for Galactus. So found she found she basically says that she's found Howard through the Nexus, and that she would like to talk to him. After she said this, Howard is trying to make light of the situation to Beverly to kind of basically like convince her, hey, you know, it's not the trouble doesn't follow me. Basically, Howard then tells Beverly that he didn't cause this, and she says that she knows. So, she, her and Howard have a final discussion, and Beverly says that she wants to finish what she has going on here. And, quite frankly, she just wants to pretend to be normal. And Howard needs this, to figure his shit out, because he's clearly got a lot of shit to figure out. Basically. And Howard basically tells her that, like, you know... He he drops all of his defenses and he tells her that he misses her, and Beverly says that she feels the same way. Gives her and little, once gives he's got kiss. himself, figured, hmm, gives him a little kiss. Uh, exactly, this cute little panel on the cheek, the same panel that you can also see in our Valentine's issue with the tier list. Is it really? It's the same panel. Really? Yeah. Okay. Where he's kissing the cheek. You guys should check out that episode. And see for yourself what that panel looks like, because that is an awesome episode where you also see Damon and I's faces, because it's been a while since we've since we've done that. So check that yeah. out. But finish this one first, because we're almost done. OK, so. I had no idea that those were, those were the same panels. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, dude, wow. this this art, I'm telling you, is like peak Howard the Duck, at least to me. A lot of times when I find like Howard the Duck pictures that I've used and stuff, it's always been this art. Hmm. I love it. Beverly then tells Howard that if he gets all of his stuff straightened out and figured out, maybe they can try it again. Maybe they can find each other again. Another time, and another life. Yeah, like like Erica Badu said, maybe next lifetime. <laughs> Okay, so Scout then apologizes for interrupting. Howard then asks to go home. Basically ask uh, Scout to give him a ride. And I put in my notes that, like, Howard's face has so much emotion. He he basically looks just devastated. He looks just defeated uh, after Beverly says this and goes back into her house. And uh, Scout, you know, agrees to take him home. And Scout and Howard talks. And this right here... Basically, our whole moral of the story is these two pages of them talking. And Scout and Howard are on the surfboard that they're on. And Scout's just talking about how the Silver Server is letting her keep her powers. And that she wanted to be she, that she wanted to be the Herald of the Galactus, but, you know, can't do that. And the big question is, what's my mission? And uh, Galactus is now the life bringer. Something happened with the Ultimates, uh, I guess. I guess so. That that changed Galactus. So he doesn't even eat planets anymore. So what would he eat? He's like a giant dude. What what else is there to eat? Stars? Can't eat stars. That's too hot. I think he can eat stars. You think so? Like he can handle that heat? I mean, he eats whole planets, Jay. Yeah, but that's just so a ball he can, of gas. He can handle planets. Just gonna make him he gas. Can eat, he eats suns too. 
that's also just a giant star. Yeah, but giant stars that we still call planets. You call the sun a planet? No, people, the average person gets them confused for planets. So, shit. Galactus, the sun eater. No, Superman Devourer is a pet sun eater. A pet sun eater? Yeah. In, what do you uh, mean? All Stars, in All Star Superman, which is a real great book, um, need to finish reading. Uh, Superman gets a pet sun eater. At first, the sun eater was going to like devour the Earth's sun, but he basically like tamed it, and it's a pet. Oh, like Silky for Starfire. Kinda. It's giant and uh, it's really sweet. He tra- it, it, he trains it and it, like has like a whole like uh, it's like a dog almost, but it's like huge. That's cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So they're driving around, and the big thing of this story where we get the moral is Scout basically asks a question of like, "What's my mission?" and she then brings it back to just focusing on herself. Now, I know there's a lot of stuff that goes on between in this conversation, but for the sake of time, I'll just condense it down into that. I think something that is highlighted here uh, is the fact that amongst all of the stuff that's going on in Howard's life, he's not really understanding the kind of toll that it's taking on him past just the idea of going home. And with that, the, the way how he's choosing to take his life has affected others in uh, some of these smaller and in others gigantic ways. Um, it seems as though that even with Howard being in Scout's life, that it, her life own has changed in different paths. And uh, I think the idea of self-discovery and self-improvement is a fantastic story to add on to this, especially with a story like Howard the Duck, uh, a character that is a, perfect idea of personification of learning to love and appreciate yourself especially in a world that doesn't want to appreciate you we just turned howard the duck into some philosophical shit that's what's happening dude i'm telling you this howard the duck comic slaps like it really does the writing is unbelievable and i can't believe it because it's a duck and i know that i mean about howard the duck like in every uh, episode, but it it's really well done. I need to get myself a little Marvel Legend of uh, of Howard. I gotta put him on my desk. I mean, he, he has like two it. or three. So I know I'm gonna get one. I got you. I got you. Of all the Marvel Legends to have, you're gonna make sure you have that Howard the Duck one. I think they have like one from the What If, and then I remember Toy Biz had one, and that was the one that didn't have any pants. Uh, see, I would love the pantsless Howard, but I'm okay with the uh, pants on Howard as well. That was a what if he had like a like a shrunken head or something with him, or like a uh, head that was Scott dome. Lang's head. He had Scott Lang's head. Why would he have that? Scott Lang's head was from uh, Marvel Zombies. That episode. Oh, see, I still have. I still need to watch that show. And the what if was I? The only episode I was really excited about was Marvel Zombies, and even still, it was just only okay. Hmm. But it has Howard the Duck in it, so it has to have some merit. I mean, I guess. He is in What If, though, so yeah. It, there's a little bit of merit, I would say. Ultimately, yeah. Howard finds himself back home. He gets in there, and uh, this was the big freaking plot twist, everybody. We go back to Bev's house. We see Bev. She's sitting down at the table, and she's reading Diagnosing Birds. It's a medical book. That was a nice touch. I'm glad they added that there. And we see her go outside, just take, you know, just taking a deep breath, and she starts glowing, and she hovers a little bit, and then she falls back down and says, just be normal. Bev is going to be in the Marvels movie. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But Bev has powers, everybody. And... I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know how possibly she could have gotten powers, but she has powers, and maybe that's the reason why she's been pushing so much of wanting to just be normal. I, I can explain where she got the the powers, at least. Oh, shit, backstory um, with Jay, everybody. Yeah, so it goes back a little bit earlier in the issue when uh, there's, like, another flashback during their conversation. There's, like, this bold dude that Bev and Howard fight 
and in the comic this is when like bev starts to have the realization that life's just not going to be really normal and uh that she worries about howard and his health a lot and that that's a lot for her um some weird pink goo like gets on her and on her clothes and i think it's from the pink goo like uh like tmnt style how did you put that two and two together? I didn't even know that. Was that in this issue or is it a different yeah, issue? Yeah, uh, for like a split second, uh, right before they show her powers, they have like the panel that you were talking about of showing the duck book. And then it cuts back to uh, just like a little bit of the panel earlier with her in the pink goo. Looks like Oh, I did not put that together. I thought that was just her like thinking, like I gave us like an idea of what she was thinking about. And she was just thinking back to that moment and she was like kind of sad. See, I thought that too. And then, cause I've been, like I said, I've been reading a few of these and rereading that. Like I remembered that panel and I was like, oh shit, dude, it came from that interaction, which adds a lot more to those uh, flashbacks other than the side gag of the veterinarian thing. Uh, but one thing that makes me curious about it is in the flashback sequences of the panels, this is pantsless Howard, meaning that this is like a long time ago when they started like interacting and having their misadventures. So how long has Bev had these powers and how much is she it? probably just didn't say anything exactly. But why and why now, you know? But my question is this, though. Notice how in one of the panels she was, like, fighting the dude off while Howard was, like, tied up. So how was she able to fight the dude? See, I don't I don't know where they are. Was it because of the powers? It could be. I have no clue. Uh, wow. So anyway, we cut to Howard, and he's with Aunt May, and Aunt May has a robot cat. What is with the robot cat? Read earlier in the Howard, Howard the Duck books, I guess. I don't know. I, I, honestly, I was kind of taken aback that Aunt May was there. I was like, oh, okay, Aunt May. See, this is why and, I think... And Soups, when we say Aunt May, we're talking about Spider-Man Aunt May. Like, yeah. this is Aunt May, Aunt May. And he calls her Aunt May, too. It's not just May or Miss Parker or... It's it's Aunt May. So everyone in, the, in Marvel Comics knows Aunt May as Aunt May. She's Marvel's Aunt May. Um, not Marvel's Aunt May. Speaking of Aunt May, she actually got her own Marvel Legend coming out this year. No way. Does she have the cat? She has to have the cat. No, it's not this Aunt May. It's the 90s animated series Aunt May. She's coming in a Tupac with um 90s animated series. She's coming series, with Tupac? Tupac? No, Tupac. Dude, no fucking way. That's huge. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking win for everyone, man. Aunt May and Tupac. What a duo. Uh, just just like, imagine. Um, That'd be a, a cool two-pack. You know how like the Ninja Turtles be doing two-packs with the Karate Kid? What if it was just like Aunt May <laughs> crossing dude, over with music? That's Marvel like, crossing um, over movie, music stars? That'd actually be pretty cool. What is that one? I forget her name. It, but it's it, she's like best friends with Snoop Dogg. So they do stuff all the time. Oh, you mean Martha Stewart? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> gives me that vibe. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. No, I can he- see it now. Peter's listening to Susan Tupac, and she's like, ooh, who is that Tupac? Yes, I like his music. Uh, no, I think the contrary. Mount May would hear that and go, what you know about Tupac, Peter? You don't know none of this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, but she comes in a Tupac with a 90s Doc Ock from the, ni- from the animated series. That's a sick set, actually. And this is the first and only Marvel Legends Aunt May honestly was kind of tempted because if you didn't know damon has marvel legends and he's building up his spider-man characters he doesn't have power of the duck though so who cares right like audience at home the soups know if you don't have power of the duck what's the point dominic also does the same thing has tons of those marvel legends shout out to dominic i know he's not listening but i also know he doesn't have power of the duck so shout out to the podcast yeah over the ava pod but no damon damon has a, a pretty cool set of marvel legends one of them i remember very vividly this is a marvel zombie captain america that you painted to even look more yeah. like a comic that i thought that was badass yeah honestly i really wish um they would re-release the marvel select versions which were like uh more comic accurate and just more detailed and shit that was uh the marvel selects are like kind of statuesque action figures that were mainly targeted towards collectors but yes i love me some figures stepping away from marvel legends though because hasbro is taxing uh but 
Aunt May wakes Howard up and she tells him that there is a special client at the door. And she says that she's been a really she's been a fan for, for a long time of this uh, client. The client is Rondo Leia Rousey. Thompson. Le- Leia Thompson. Leia. <laughs> <laughs> that just reminded me back when uh, a lot of people were fan casting Ronda Rousey for uh, Captain Marvel before I remember they that. Cast I remember yeah. that so vividly. Oh my I, gosh! I know this isn't a Captain Marvel episode, but. Who do you think would have done it better? I still think with what was there, Brie Larson did a better job than what Rondo could do. But can you see Ronda Rousey as Ms. Marvel or Captain Marvel no. or any Marvel? Okay, cool. That's good She's start. not a good actress. Um, I couldn't see it. She's I not remember, a good wrestler I remember either. she threw. Oof, not the shade. Well, oh, actually, God. she's fine. Like I say this shit like I can go in and do the wrestling. So who am I? I'm just being a bitch. Uh, but next to everyone else, yeah, she's she's not doing too great. It's Leia Thompson, everybody. Yeah, Leia Thompson. Let's go. You know her for Howard the Duck and... Take it away, David. Now you have to name one. And? Switched at birth. And switched at birth. From ABC Family. She played one of the moms. (laughs) Boom. There we go. Yes. All all of her accolades displayed And Back to the Future. Yeah, 100%. Leia Thompson, and boom, that is the end of the issue. Well, actually, no, 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 it's not, because Leia Thompson says that she needs help with finding herself, tying in the morals and everything with a little bit of actual shit that's going to happen in the next issue. Look at that. Look at if, that. If you look closely, too, on on the filing cabinet, because when she, she enters Howard's PI office, which is where Howard and Aunt May are, um, there is a picture a Polaroid that's on the filing cabinet, and it's a picture of the flux capacitor. And the flux capacitor is really? what makes the DeLorean run. Yeah. I did not see that right there. Oh my god. You're having me want to go back and look at that shit. That actually this, is pretty cool. This comic rocks! This comic is so fun! Like, if No, you... the, the next issue, they like have a little bit of an homage to the Howard Duck movie, because uh, in the story, apparently... Um, she's kidnapped by Mojo and Mojo is like having her play Beverly in a Howard the Duck movie that's going to be on TV. Mojo is also a prominent villain for Spider-Man and Wolverine, which is also a comic that Damon and I enjoy. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's primarily an X-Men villain, but yes. Well, Wolverine's an X-Men, but he likes to show up in everything. Like Wolverine has been the one guy that has connected a lot of our comics. Have you have you realized this? He was in yeah Ant Man one. Uh, obviously, he was in the Ultimate X Men one, but like a panel. Uh, he was in like two panels of this one. A lot of Wolverine. We haven't talked about. He was him talked at all. about in the last episode. Was talked about too a little bit in the last episode. That's right. Oh my goodness, we need to talk more about Wolverine. I guess we don't have to. The comics are doing it for us, huh? <laughs> I guess so. Shit. Okay. So, Jay, how would you rank this episode? Like, what would you say this was to you? Like, how would you rate it? Oh, like, like the issue? Like yeah, yeah. No, I love this issue. I thought that this was one of the best that we've read so far. And I I want to say that that's just because of me memeing and saying that it's Howard the Duck. But this is the kind of, like, tone and the type of writing that I really enjoy especially for superheroes and this type of world there's something about the types of levels of self-awareness that the comic shows while also finding a way to make sure that you as an audience member can take this out of ordinary world seriously and and points where you can laugh with the characters as well as sympathize and relate to them and I just I love that and it's it's I don't know for me I could pick these up and never put them down Hmm. okay I would say this was a really nice book that gave you so many things and it's making me really curious to see what else has happened in this little like uh series and um honestly it seems like a run that I wouldn't mind being my first introduction to Howard the Duck. The comedy seems like it'd be there. Chip Zdarsky, I love me some Chip. And uh, the art is gorgeous. It just makes me want to see more. And honestly, I would say for me, it would be a 
10. It'd be 10. I'd say this is a 10. Totally. Oh, yeah. 10s. 10s across the board. Loved it. 10, 10, 10 across the need, board. Need an MCU show or some sort of counterpart. Make it a Netflix or, or not a Netflix. Make it a YouTube not Netflix. thing. I don't care where no. you put it. Do I'd it. say Hulu. <sighs> yeah, do Hulu. You know, I'll watch it anywhere. Put it on that Peacock. Put it on Max. Because HBO is out. I'm still mad about uh, how ever since uh, Ke- Kevin Foggy is in charge of everything Marvel now. So there's no separate divisions for everything. And that even falls under animation, which is why a lot of the animation we're seeing for Marvel is going to be MCU connected or about MCU shit. And uh, it's kind of making me upset because honestly, I would have liked to have seen different shows that were doing its own things or being more closer adaptions of comics just you know just creative type of shit i think the only thing we're getting is maybe the 97 x-men series but even still i feel like that show is only coming back primarily because they know people love it and in all honesty i wouldn't have i would have preferred if evolution came back but shows me i don't know but enough who's about what say? we think who's to say, yeah. who's to <laughs> say? <laughs> but enough about what we think guys what do you think did Howard the Duck number eight hold up? Be sure to give us your answers by reviewing the show or messaging us on Instagram at Super Saturdays Podcast, TikTok at Super Saturdays Pod, and Twitter at Super Saturdays PC. Your, mes- your messages and reviews can make their way on the show. This was Super Saturdays. I'm Damon. And I'm Jay Hayward, the true number one Howard the Duck mega fan. Uh, if you enjoy the stuff that David and I talk about and want to see a little bit more about us outside of the shows, check out what we're doing on our Instagrams. You know, check out Damon underscore 1003. Check out at Jay the movie gal. And, you know, stop on by. Say hello. Say that you're from the show. Or, you know, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. As always, see you next Saturday, Soups. <laughs>